happy Monday. We are here. This, today's topic Today's topic is one that is in your quick facts book. If you know it, please put it down for me. All right. We are doing acute pancreatitis, but there's so much more going on today. Literally, this is the beginning of the beginning of the next event for Remar, right? So let me just give you a clue. If you don't already know, I have some things in my Santa sack for you. I have some things in my Santa sack for you. This is the start of, new, of a new week. So we have coming up, the first thing is, ah, the V2 workbook. For those of you who have V2, but you don't have the V2 workbook, the sale starts today for this book. So this book is back at $20, which was the Black Friday price, I believe, right? So we're bringing this book back for you guys. If you want to get this, I think it's so helpful if you have V2 and you're not... Um, you're not focused in by taking the notes. So the notes make this easier. Okay, the next thing that we have is this. This book is 10 cents, okay? For the holidays, if you purchase V2. So you're gonna get the first shift for 10 cents as part of the holiday promotion. The best if you are starting your nursing practice and you need help, like that's my mentorship book. And then finally, don't forget today, I printed out my... Seven days of NCLEX workbook. So everybody that signed up for this holiday event, seven days free NCLEX challenge, the workbook is out. So make sure that you get it because in your workbook, and this remember, seven days of NCLEX starts the day after Christmas. So December 26th. And in your workbook, you will have the schedule of every time, okay? You'll have the schedule. You'll have the schedule. So your first shift, your second shift, your third shift, your fourth shift. And I am in my hospital gown because it means that the patients are ready. So if you have the workbook, you will see your patient assignment. And you should all be in the mentality of, I got to get there. My shift starts. I got to get there. I love people say they already have their workbook printed out. So in your workbook, again, you're going to get patients that you're going to be taking care of. So if you are going to be taking NCLEX and you want exercises of critical thinking, who is going to be the priority? What are the medications? I'm going over all that stuff. I'm going over arterial blood gases. I'm going over prioritization, pharmacology. And when we have our patients, we are going to literally get patient assignments. So you're going to get doctor's orders, medications, laboratory values. This is my favorite review because it's so engaging, it's so interactive. So the workbook, ah, I'm so happy for it. It's out, guys, it's out. Get it going with me. This is gonna be a great NCLEX review. So I'm wearing the patient gown. I probably will be in a patient gown because actually it's more comfortable than scrubs. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. But again, this is our signal that seven days of NCLEX is coming and you have your patients. Today, we are going to be talking about this right so our topic for today oh and then for those of you who haven't signed up for it, it's not too late like i like again i say it starts december the 26th so right on time right on time you still have another week to get prepared if you have v2 you can continue to study along with us and come to class if you don't have v2 then you need to be in the free trial and sign up for the seven days of nclex you can go to remarnurse.com forward slash seven days. And that is correct. Our first class starts that Tuesday and it is at 8 p.m. So again, great stuff. December 26, 8 p.m. Eastern time. And I'm going to be presenting this seven day NCLEX challenge for you. So when you see this in your email, go ahead and download it. I love it. I printed mine out at work. Uh, yes, you got you to do what you got to do. You got to do what you got to do. We're going to talk about acute pancreatitis though. I want to, I want us to just do a quick clipboard review of acute pancreatitis because we know that pancreatitis, of course, affects which organ? The pancreas, the pancreas. Now, the pancreas is about the size of a dollar and it is found behind the stomach. So you can have a chronic or acute forms for the NCLEX. They're both presenting very differently. So we're just gonna focus on the acute version. And somebody put it up for me. It is in your quick facts. 
Okay, this isn't quick facts, but I'm just going to go over the skeleton of it. So when you read it in here, you have a better understanding of what we're talking about. Okay, so let's do it. With pancreatitis, you actually have a um, you actually have inflammation of the pancreas, which in affects two systems, your endocrine system and your digestive system. I think that this point is missed a lot in nursing school that the pancreas is really an endocrine organ. So if in a pancreatitis patient, what type of issues am I going to have that will be reflected by the endocrine system being impaired? Pancreatitis is a problem for the endocrine system because pancreatitis does what? What is the function of pancreatitis? Do you know this? This is how you can go to nursing school, go through a whole entire nursing program, and then really not be quite ready for your nursing boards. Okay, exactly. Pancreatitis is going to affect the production of this. Uh -huh. It is going to affect the production of insulin. Okay, so that means that your patient is going to have problems with what? Are they going to have problems with hyperglycemia or hypoglycemia? Okay, they're going to have problems with what? What do we say? Yeah, they're going to have problems with hyperglycemia. So that's something that you can monitor for. All right. Now, digestive wise, we know that the pancreas also will be an issue because the pancreas has what that it releases to help us digest food. So the pancreas also produces enzymes that help us break down what kind of food? Our carbohydrates. Okay. Our, our lipids, our, our protein, right? And th so things like that. So pancreatitis is a combination problem for our patients. We have to know about it, right? Um, yes, our fats, it helps us to digest our food. So in knowing that we're gonna have problems with our insulin production, also the pancreas, it does affect the, the glucagon production too. So that, that is also an endocrine issue. Now we have to discuss, well, acute pancreatitis, what is the etiology of it? When I say etiology, what am I talking about? If you read in a doctor's note, a patient has acute pancreatitis, etiology means what? Well, it means what is the cause of it? What is the cause of it? So in quick facts, what is the number one etiology of acute pancreatitis? Come on, give it to me. Give it to me in the comments. Yep, I see it, the cause of it. And so this is what we do when we review. If you don't, if this is your first time here, every Mondays at noon, we go over fundamentals of how to be a great nurse. And then also Wednesdays at 9 p.m. too, we do this. Yeah. Number one cause, alcohol abuse. And we know, the thing about alcohol is that alcohol is, it is essentially something that should not be in the body, right? It's a toxin. But alcohol is particularly poisonous to pancreatic cells. So it's something about the pancreatic cells that really succumb to the presence of alcohol. So ETOH abuse, number one. What's the secondary, secondary cause of pancreatitis? What's the, another big one? Okay. Oh, thank you so much for subscribing to the channel. Yeah. Thank you. That is how you know every time I go live. Ah, gallstones. Okay. Gallstones, also a big cause of pancreatitis. So a patient may come in with the issue of gallstones and then, you know, they have issues with their pancreas as well because it's going to block up the, the you know, that circulation pathway. It's going to create inflammation. This is pancreatitis. Oh, so before I close this, the laboratory values to monitor because pancreatitis is really clinical. So remember I told you clinical is a visual presentation. So um, amylase and lipase are going to be your 
uh, indicators, but there's another one that speaks to inflammation. It's a general laboratory value that means that the patient is inflamed. Does anybody know what that lab is? You might have missed this one because we use it in a whole bunch of different diagnoses, um, but it just means inflammation. Okay, no, not white blood cell. White blood cell count, yes, you got it. White blood cell count um, indicates an infection, but I'm just gonna put it down. I'll just put it down the letters and then you guys can look it up. Okay. It is the CRP. Yes, the C-reactive protein, right? And so that is going to, that is gonna indicate when there is a general inflammation going on in the body. Yep, so if you didn't know it, now you know. Okay, that was our clipboard review. So we're all on the same page now about pancreatitis. I think we can move forward with more of a formal presentation of it. So acute pancreatitis, we are going to have an inflammation of the pancreas. And so this is going to impair the, the primary functions of the pancreas, which is the endocrine role, secreting the insulin and glucagon, and then the digestive role of this particular organ. Ha! The physiology of it is, you know, the digestive, of course, produces the pancreatic enzymes, and this helps break down the fats, the proteins, and the carbohydrates. Thank you for taking those great notes in the comments. Endocrine is going to be affected because the insulin production is going to be decreased. And so our patient is going to have a, in, you know, an influx of sugar that they're not going to be able to control. All right. Great testimony here. Morning, Regina. My testimony wouldn't be complete without coming here to share my good news. I like this nurse promise. I'm proudly a Remar nurse after two years of finishing nursing school. Thanks to God and your amazing content. Isn't that great to know that you can be out of school, uh, nursing school for some time, still be able to study these fundamental principles and go back and get your license exam. So somebody watching may be um, in that situation. I'm, I'm telling you today, it's possible for you to be able to pass the NCLEX. Um, Nurse Angela B says, I passed my, my RN NCLEX last Wednesday, graduated 2011. Here you go. And a repeat test taker. I am now a Remar nurse. Thank you, Regina and Mark. With God, all things are possible. Imagine that graduating in 2011. Man, the patience, the perseverance, and the determination that you need to have determination to hold on to something for that long. Your nursing license, whew, you have it now. And now you will see patients wearing these gowns many, many days now. Many, many days. That's the reward. You're a nurse now. The etiology common, we said gallstones, alcohol, smoking, elevated cholesterol. If you have childhood pancreatitis, it can follow you. And there are some selective medications that can cause this. I saw some in the notes, um, NSAIDs, um, you know, things like that can be uh, abrasive to the pancreas. Rare etiologies are going to be pancreatic duct injury, biliary obstruction, hypercalcemia, infections, vascular diseases, and anatomic pancreatic anomalies. There are a range of symptoms that can occur when a patient has acute pancreatitis. The description is going to be based on the severity of the clinical presentation. So Number one, a mild case of acute pancreatitis is going to be the absence of organ failure or if there are no local or systemic complications. We would like all of our patients to present in this range where it's early enough, where there's no other organs involved and they don't have any systemic complications. However, I think we need to be prepared for a moderate version of acute pancreatitis where the patient has transient organ failure. So when something is transient 
And this distinguishes acute pancreatitis from chronic pancreatitis. It is, it is reversible. So acute pancreatitis, the symptoms that are present can be reversed. And so that's one of the huge differences between that and chronic. So with moderate acute pancreatitis, you have transient organ failure and it resolves within 48 hours. Also, there may be in uh, local or systemic complications without the result of organ failure, okay? Severe acute pancreatitis, this is where you're going to have a persistent organ failure that may involve one or multiple organs. I'm, I'm really excited about this because I love the questions that are coming up about this topic. Make sure we meet our share goals. I don't even know what that number is right now, but when you are on YouTube, smash that like button. All right, Facebook, smash that share button. Are clinical manifestations or presenting symptoms for acute pancreatitis are gonna be the following. Of course, abdominal pain. The patient's gonna have this persistent mid to upper quadrant abdominal pain. Mm. And it is going to have some temporary relief that is going to be positional. So if the patient is sitting or leaning forward, they will have a relief. You're gonna see some abdominal distension, the bowel sounds are gonna be decreased. There are clinical signs that are the Cullens, which is an echomotic periumbilical discoloration. In other words, there's a blue discoloration around the, um, um, the uh, what do you call it? Oh my goodness, help me, the word escapes me. The belly button, there it is. So you're gonna have a blueness around the belly button and that is Cullen sign. Let me jump in and give the um, share goals. So right now on YouTube, we have 561 watching. We have 135 likes. So we have to get to 250. We have to get to 250. So I see the number climbing already. If you're watching on YouTube, you're logged in, smash the like button because we gotta get to 250. We have 139 right now. So the Cullen sign, yes, the navel, <laughs> thank you so much. Um, Cullen sign is blue, blueness around the navel, right? Gray Turner sign is if you have blueness in the flank area. So the patient may report some, um, some pain. You lift up the shirt, ah, you're gonna see that signature. Mm, you're gonna see that signature blueness, okay? All right, let me go on to this. Clinical manifestations, you're going to have, and put these on the screen as well if you know some, serum ele um, elevated amylase, lipase, WBC count, urinary um, amylase, and C-reactive protein as well are going to be elevated. Visualization of the pancreas is important, and this is going to be used to determine the diagnosis. So clinical, you have your abdominal and chest x-rays that is going to allow you to see the pancreas, detect the severity. You can also do an abdominal ultrasound. That is going to what? It is going to allow you to visualize gallstones. And if parts of the pancreas are necrotic, these are all clinical uh, the CT, abdominal CT, it confirms pancreatic necrosis and if there's any other local complications. Also, we have the MRI. The MRI is going to take a little bit longer, but it will give you specifics. There is a higher sensitivity for this diagnosis, for this diagnosis. Cool. The initial management of acute pancreatitis is going to be to prevent dehydration, fluid replacement. Also, pain control is, is important. It's always going to be important. Monitoring for complications, that is for you. That is your responsibility to know the local complications and the systemic complications of pancreatitis. 
when you are studying a topic like pancreatitis and you know that it involves multiple systems and you know that it is a clinical diagnosis, you have to say, okay, let me take the time to go in and read about this, to familiarize myself with how a patient will present so that I'm able to establish the protocol for care. And remember, nurses are going to be the very first people to see these patients. Because if you come into an ER situation with pancreatitis, you're going to have to be triaged. And if a nurse is not able to recognize clinically a pancreatitis, she may think that it is something else, okay? Or that it's not that bad. Or that you just have, you know... Oh, so many. Oh, I, I could just imagine if you don't understand this situation, where it would leave that patient. Nutritional understandings of a patient with pancreatitis, they're probably not going to be able to eat and or if antibiotics should be expected. We're prioritizing certain things, of course, bradycardia or tachycardia, because when you have, a, you have an issue of pancreatitis, your patient can go into shock, tachypnea as well. If there are any electrolyte imbalances, if the sodium level is high or low, your potassium numbers, your glucose levels. The severe metabolic acidosis or alkalosis can also be present because the enzymes that are released from the pancreas and when the pancreas gets in trouble, you could have issues with your bicarbonate being out of range. So it may be an issue of metabolic acidosis or alkalosis. And then if the patient's not making urine, where has an obstruction developed? And this too, with, um, let me put both on the screen, with acute pancreatitis, the Glasgow Coma Scale is very very important. Typically, when we're studying Glasgow coma, we are looking at it in relationship to what? Increased cranial pressure, like increased intracranial pressure, then we look for the Glasgow coma scale if we want to know somebody's level of consciousness. Well, with acute pancreatitis, the person's level of consciousness can be affected. So the Glasgow coma score is important in this situation. So the doctors may ask you to do that if you have a patient with acute pancreatitis. And this is how you can be a great nurse by just knowing these small things about patient care. This can be the difference between you um, being able to really help a doctor guide a patient to health or be a stepping stone or a stumbling block to somebody getting the care that they need. Our nursing goals are going back to the prioritizations, which are going to be maintaining fluid balance. Okay. Um, oh, this is a great question. Hold on one second. Um, keeping the airway patent, controlling pain, preventing complications. All right. Avoiding skin breakdown. And if there's a modification of lifestyle. So somebody's asking, why is the level of consciousness affected? Why is the level of consciousness affected with acute pancreatitis? So what I would, I would give you the answer, but I think what would be so much more beneficial is if you looked it up, acute pancreatitis and level of consciousness and understand that connection. Or if one of the Remar nurses want to put it in the comments, they can do it as well. The person that asked this is on YouTube. But again, Part of this process, part of why we show up for a study session is so you can be exposed to things that make you ask great questions, okay? Make you ask great questions. Because when you're studying, you should be evaluating in real time. Do I really know this? Do I understand what she's talking about? Should I be looking stuff up? That, that's the process of being really good about this, okay? Um, infection, infection, infection is a complication because you have inflammation. Fluid, fluid also is, fluid accumulation is also a complication because you have inflammation. Now, um, how do we monitor for fluid 
accumulation? Well, we're just looking simply at the in input and outtake of it, the daily weights, the gastric drainage. If you have a patient with acute pancreatitis, they may definitely get an NG tube. So you'll be looking at that as well as respiratory status. Now, serum electrolytes, yes, when your electrolyte balance is off, when your metabolic functions are off, this is going to affect a lot of things in your body. Your level of consciousness can be one of them. So if a person has a decreased level of consciousness, we need to understand why that happens because it's not just going to happen for no reason. All right, there's going to be something going on with that patient. And malnutrition, daily weights, metabolic requirements. If a person comes in and what did I say the number one cause of acute pancreatitis was? What did I say it was? Alcoholism. So most people who drink an excessive amount of alcohol by nature are malnourished. They are missing what thiamine, right? And they're, they're missing a lot of things in their diet because alcohol fills you up. Alcohol has a ton of sugar in it, right? Especially, you know, wine. If person drinks wine, that's mostly sugar. And so your cells have the, the dextrose that they need to function, but they're not getting the, the vitamins, right? The vitamins, they're not getting that as part of their diet. So most people who are alcoholics, they uh, are malnourished severely. They're malnourished severely. Okay, um, we're getting diving into this content is so good. So, so good. Health teachings. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We do have to teach about the etiology and the prognosis of this. We have to let our patients know that we want them to be in a preventative state of it. So we want, we want them not to, you know, abuse alcohol, smoke cigarettes, the cholesterol, monitoring their cholesterol, and if there are any kind of toxic medications. The diet is typically going to be an MPO diet. When we reintroduce foods to the patient, we're going to focus on low fat because if the pancreas is inflamed, that fat digestion is going to be um, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be tougher for them to do. Okay, great overview of pancreatitis. Let's use what we've learned and let's kind of apply it to these NCLEX questions. So I want you to try to get four out of five. That is the goal. Let's begin with question number one here. Among, here we go. Here we go, guys. This is it. Monday. Let's get started. Among the four clients, who has the highest risk of developing acute pancreatitis? Number one, a client with repeated urinary tract infections. Two, a client with hiatal hernia. Three, a client with kidney stones. Four, a client with gall stones. Come on, give it to me. Shout out to Nurse Lauren. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> All right. Um, we are warming ourselves up. If you did the content first, like I tell you guys to do, if you study content, these questions are going to be easy. But if you just try to jump in and do questions like this, it's going to be a lot tougher and you're probably going to get them wrong a lot more than you really need to. So when we understand the etiology of acute pancreatitis, we can answer this question easily, easily, easily. Here we go. Correct answer mm -hmm, is number four. Congratulations. You got that one right. It's time to heat it up. Let's heat it up with another question. A little bit more challenging. I want to see if you can get this one. Follow me now. Question number two. A nurse is caring for a patient diagnosed with acute pancreatitis. The patient suffers from ETOH abuse and smokes a pack a day. The patient rates his pain eight out of 10. Which of the following actions is the highest priority when providing care for this patient? Number one, encouraging frequent high fat meals to maintain nutrition. Two, administering oral pancreatic enzymes with each meal and snack. Three, Positioning the patient in a semi-fowler's position to relieve abdominal pain or four, 
instructing the patient to avoid alcohol and smoking indefinitely. So I'm asking you here, you have a complicated patient. What is the highest priority when providing care for this patient? Okay. Most people I see in the comments are getting it down to three or four. This is the dilemma of NCLEX. When you have two that are right and you have to prioritize what they are. The correct answer here, okay, the correct answer here is number four, instructing the patient to avoid alcohol and smoking indefinitely. Why is this the highest priority? Because the alcohol and smoking are known risk factors that are going to aggravate the condition. So we have to educate the patient to avoid these substances. This is the highest care for us as nurses, because if we don't emphasize this, then it is going to further exacerbate the condition. So we need to prevent the exacerbation. Now, the distractor that I put in there that I was able to catch some of you was that pain, because we think, oh, the patient's in pain, then the patient, you know, we can't do anything because until the pain is resolved. But when we talk about the overall care of the patient, we want to make sure that what we're doing is going to alleviate the biggest problem. The biggest problem is not the pain. The biggest problem is the inflammation, okay? The inflammation. And so it's not, this is the thing, it's not, it is not a matter of, oh, 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 right? It's not a matter of what is going to be the most effective, what is the, the first priority, okay? We are talking about the highest priority, and sometimes that is different. And I hope this makes sense to people who are like gung-ho, but I need to relieve the pain first, but I need to relieve the pain first. Yeah, you would need to relieve the pain first. However, the overall goal is to take away the risk factor, the causative factor here. So I can take away the pain, right? I can take away the pain. I can say, sit up, right? Sit up the pain will go down. But if the patient doesn't understand that I need to stop smoking and stop drinking because this is the cause of the pain, then I'm going to be in this situation more often than I have to be. So the highest priority is to understand what is causing this situation. All right. Okay. And we'll do more. And this is why you come to class to be exposed to these things, to be exposed to these things. We're talking about a different situation here. Okay. All right, let's go back to the next question. Let's try this one. Question number three, question number three. A nurse is caring, okay? Then a nurse is caring for a patient recently diagnosed with acute pancreatitis, okay? Which of the following medications should the nurse prioritize for administration? Number one, oral ibuprofen for pain management. Two, IV hydromorphone for pain management. Three, intravenous morphine for severe pain management. Or four, oral acetaminophen for pain relief. Love it, love it, love it. On a Monday, you guys know where you're supposed to be. It's class time. It's critical thinking time. Let's do this, guys. Ah, and I think I, I think most of us understand the medication implications for acute pancreatitis. So this is really good. Glad that we see this here. It is indeed the IV hydromorphone for pain relief. Gotta love this. Gotta love this. We are, we're solid on this. <laughs> when you have the choice, it's in quick facts too, but when we have the choice for pain medication, then we're gonna go with the hydromorphone, okay? All right. And this is also a great point too. People are like, ah, oh, we don't wanna give them oral because they might be in uh, MPO status. Great thinking as well. So those little things, every little thing helps you to understand the priorities here. Good job, everybody. Okay, question number four says this. This is a good one too. 
A nurse is assessing laboratory results for a patient with severe pancreatitis. Which of the following, which of the following um, laboratory values should the nurse identify as the most critical to address immediately? Here we go. Serum lipase level three times the normal upper limit. Mm -hmm. Two, serum glucose level of 250. Three, serum calcium level of 7.2. Or four, hemoglobin level of 13.5. I'm gonna give y'all the silence so you can think about it. <laughs> okay. Glad you showed up to class today. You guys know when I say that, then it means, <laughs> what does it mean when I say I'm glad you showed up to class today? Very important. Because the correct answer, y'all, is number three. Come on. No way. You, y'all know that calcium level is, somebody put the, somebody put the normal calcium level, please up for me, put the normal calcium level up because way too many of us missed it, okay? We missed this one. Calcium, and, and number one, I think it was because I put, what, three times the normal limit? So y'all saw that and y'all were like, oh, I gotta address that one, right? Just because I didn't just put the number. But when it comes to the lipase and the amylase, Am I expecting that to be um, increased? Am I expecting that to be abnormal? Yes, I am, because I have a patient with acute pancreatitis. However, this calcium level is grossly low, okay? And when we think about calcium, that is one of the electrolytes that is so significant because it not only affects the muscles, but it can cause what? Cardiac arrhythmias, okay? So anything having to do, don't be ashamed. Somebody's like, I'm so, I'm so ashamed that I missed that one. <laughs> anything having to do with potassium, sodium, or calcium, those are the ones that you wanna go with. So I just wanna look at this again. Um, for observation sake, because the lipase we're going to be expecting, the glucose is 250, which is also abnormal, but we know patients can have blood sugars in the 700s, in the 500s, in the 400s, in the 200s. So this is not going to be the primary here. Usually glucose is one of those things that if it comes to an electrolyte or if it comes to glucose, I'm going to fix the electrolyte first, okay? Um, hemoglobin, hemoglobin level, 13.5. That's not bad here. But that calcium level was really low and you passed it up for the lipase. Don't ever do that again, okay? Don't ever do that again. But in the end, I'm glad you came to class today, okay? <laughs> okay, and we did make our share goals. So I'm going to move on to the next one. Okay, I'm going to move on to the next one, which was, so I have here, we have 257. We were trying to get to 250 and we have 257 from what I see. It may even be more than that, but that's just the last one I see. So the question has been unlocked. Let's dig into this. Let's dig into this. Monday motivation across the nation is coming up too as well. Four patients with acute pancreatitis come in. Four patients, acute pancreatitis. Which patient should the nurse prioritize for immediate care? Number one, a patient reporting steady, intense abdominal pain, fever, and a history of alcohol abuse. Two, a patient with abdominal pain, nausea, and a serum amylase level three times the normal limit. Three, a patient presenting with intense abdominal pain, hypotension, and tachycardia. Or four, a patient currently asymptomatic, but with mild elevations in serum lipase. Who is your priority here? I'm liking what I see. You guys came to the class. 
you did the other four questions. And now when it's time to come to a challenging priority question, you understand your nursing care. You understand it now. And this is how you know that you are improving during the process of studying is because the things that would be challenging to some are no longer challenging to you. All right. And you're tracking with me. So we understand, yes, everybody has number three is our priority patient because this patient has acute pancreatitis like all the others, but they are presenting with systemic, right, systemic complications now. So they're in that severe state of, they're moderate to severe state of acute pancreatitis, right? So they have the abdominal pain, which we would expect, but now they have hypotension and tachycardia, right? And so this patient is likely going to go into shock or they already are into shock. All right. Great job. You got a three out of five. I My challenge was a four out of five. So if you met that goal, congratulations. If you got a little bit under that goal, make sure that you go back and review this topic here is in quick facts. And then keep coming to class. Keep coming to class because this is how we develop our critical thinking. This is how we develop the process. So safe nurses today. Salute. Ah, so good. So good. So good. So good. Monday motivation across the nation. This one's for me. I don't know about you guys, but this one's for me. And it is, it's time to write a new story. It's time to write a new story. Also, if this is your first time, again, we do class every Monday at noon and then every Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern time. I'm on the East Coast, baby. So Eastern Standard Time, tap into it. It's time to write a new story. All right. Next question is I took that necklace off. The prodigal son. How many of you know this story? How many of you know this story of the prodigal son? It comes from Luke chapter five, verses 11 through 32. Let's review this as we think about this week ahead. As we think about this week ahead. Um, here's the story. Here's the story. And just father, I just ask that as we take time to look into your word, that we see something we've never seen before, or that we come to know you in a better way. That's what I'm asking. Okay. So the prodigal son, um, a wealthy man has two sons, right? The younger son, he's feeling himself. He's feeling a little restless. He wants to get out of his father's house. He wants to have his independence. So he does something that is so disrespectful. He does something that is just so unheard of that, like, you know, it just blows my mind. He basically tells his dad he wants his inheritance. He wants his share of the inheritance. He says, dad, I'm, I can't wait for you to die to get the money that is coming to me. Please just give it to me now. Like, can you imagine a child saying that to their father? Like, I want the life insurance, okay? Just give it to me now. Ugh. But surprisingly, this is how good the father is. He agrees to this. And he says, sure, I'm gonna divide the property between my two sons. You can have the money that you are so seeking. And this is so important when it comes to character in finances or character in blessings, because when the son gets the money, does he go and does he create, you know, a, a, a great life for himself? Does he bless the poor? Does he build himself a own home? No. What does the son do when the father gives him that money? The younger son, he goes to a different country. They don't know him. And he starts flossing with this money. Like he starts flexing. The Bible says he literally squandered the wealth with women, right? With food, with luxuries, with all these things on his father's dime to the point where he spent everything, all right? And then there was a severe famine in the whole country and he began to be desperate. He began to have a need that he no longer can fulfill. He begins to have situations that he is too small to get out of. His problems start mounting up. So he went and he hired himself to be a slave, a citizen of the country. And he was sent to feed the pigs, 
which the pigs are the lowest of animals, right? In his own country, they're, they're unclean. Like you don't even fool around with them. But he sees the pigs that he is feeding and he wishes that he could even eat the food that the pig was eating. Like he wants to, he says he longed to fill his stomach with the garbage that the pigs were eating. Now that's low, okay? That's really low. I don't know if you've ever been to that point, but this man was in a low situation that he caused for himself. And even working on a pig farm, yes, nobody gave him anything. Nobody gave him anything. So sad. In his desperation, in his depravity, in his situation, somebody might be in a low situation, he realized the gravity of his mistakes and he decided to go home, not as a son, but he said, you know what, I'm gonna go home and I'm just gonna ask my dad, can I be a servant here? Because I understand, um, the Bible says that, I, he, he says, I understand that I have sinned. I have done this great thing. I am not even worthy to come back as a son. I just, I'm gonna come back as a servant. Right. And so this happens. He's way he's he's like in his mind, he's preparing when I get back to my dad's house, I'm going to say this. I'm going to apologize like he's trying to plan it out. I'm going to say to my dad, I'm sorry. I'm going to apologize to him. I'm going to say, just let me be a servant. But something amazing happens. His dad sees him from a long way off and his dad runs to him and and embraces him. And this is something that like a father in the Jewish tradition would not do to a son who disrespected him to that way. Like the dad does not run to the son. That's not what happens. But the father here runs to the son and embraces the son. And the son says, father, I have sinned against you. You know, he does a speech. He says, I've, I've done this thing against you. I am no longer worthy to be your, your son, right? He starts apologizing. But in the midst of him doing all that, the father says to the servants, go get the best robe for him, put it on him, put the family ring on him, put sandals on his feet, bring the fatted calf and kill it. We are going to have a celebration. The father restores him back to the family just because he made the decision to come home. He's immediately brought back and welcome into the family. Isn't that a great story, right? But it, it doesn't end there because this is talking about our experience. The story tells us that there are two sons, right? And we have to be careful that we are not one of these boys. Meanwhile, the other son, he comes near the house and he heard the music and the dancing and that son became angry. The older brother became angry. This is the other son. The father went out and pleaded with him. Why are you angry? What are you upset about? And the older brother questioned the fairness of the father because of his loyalty and his hard work. It's very important that we understand that some people, they don't know God in the same way that you do. Some people make mistakes and they have to come back into the fold. They have to come back into the church. They have to come back into your family and you have to give them the same grace that God gives them. Because we, people who, who know God, people who are Christians, we feel like because of our loyalty, because of our goodness, we deserve a better reward. We think that we are better than other people. And particularly this in nursing, oof, there is this thing that comes upon some nurses who really believe that they are better than the nurse's aide, that they are better than the janitorial staff, that they are better than the phlebotomist. And it's so embarrassing when you have the stigma that, oh, nurses think they're better than other people. And it's so hard to shake once somebody thinks about that, like as a group, right? It's embarrassing, y'all. It's embarrassing that we have this division between the RNs and the PNs, where the RNs think they're better than the PNs. 
or the nurses as a collective think they're better than the nurses' aides. It's embarrassing when our state of profession has come to this. And so when we focus on the prodigal son, we always like to think about the son that goes away and he learns his lesson. And, you know, and we love how God is good to him. But then the other son is just as lost as the one that went away. He just has a different location. He's literally lost in the father's house. That's the one, that's the story that I feel like is not told. And for us, some of us today, we are lost in the father's house because we don't understand the condition of the collective. We are all struggling. We are all in a battle. But what I want to challenge you with is this. The goodness of God has no favorites. Like, you know, and if you come to him and say, I need you on this level, I need you to fill a void. I've been away too long for you, God. I've been the prodigal son. I've been trying to do my own thing. I've been trying to do it this way in something I know I had no business being in. I knew you didn't want me in that relationship. I knew you didn't want me in that city. I knew I wasn't supposed to go off like this. I was totally prodigal when I did that, Lord. But I'm coming back because I know things aren't right. I see it. I feel it. I can't get past it, right? And so some of us have to make that, we have to make that trek back home. We have to make that journey back to our father's house and say, Lord, I'm here. I need you right? I'm ready to be the servant. The great thing is we know that God will embrace you back into the family. That's why Jesus died because he knew you didn't have it. Like, don't you love that? God knew you didn't have it. Um, But then there's another group of us who we have to really look at ourselves this week and say, I need to give somebody another chance. I need to have a new perspective in where I am and who I am. I'm not better than the next person. I actually need the person. I need to extend grace. I need to extend kindness. I need a new start, right? Man, God's word is so good. And so the the father had to explain that the return of the prodigal son was indeed a cause for a celebration because he was lost and is now found. He was dead, but now he is alive again. And we're celebrating life. We're celebrating life because people who find themselves back to the father's house have a new life. And and understand in general, overall, the Bible tells us a story because your actions do have consequences. Actions have consequences. And despite where you are or where you end up, hard work is valuable. It is valuable to work hard when you're working for yourself it is more valuable to work hard when you're in the ministry of God's kingdom because that's a work that's everlasting. You know, in life, you don't get out the option to work hard. If you don't work, you don't eat. That's period, right? So as you are endeavoring to get this huge license with this huge responsibility, you have to understand you're gonna have to put in the work. Nobody's gonna come and make it easy for you. The people that come in and say, oh yeah, I'm going to give you the questions. I'm going to help you get around this. Those are scammers. They're not in it for you. Trust me. I'm telling you, if you want this thing, you're going to have to work hard. You're going to have to put in the work. I'm doing all I can by showing up for you guys on Mondays and Wednesdays. I'm doing, I'm doing the most, right? to get you to understand that there's a certain level of dedication that it takes, no matter what level you are in nursing. But you got to do your part too and understand it's not easy for this thing to happen. You have to do it, all right? Another thing is for some of you, it takes courage to start again. It takes courage to start again. You have to be able to have that conversation with yourself. I failed yesterday. Do I want to start again today? I failed last year. Am I up for the challenge of doing this again? I failed twice. Do I want to do this again? All right. And so that takes a bit of courage for you to get to that place. I understand that. I'm not trying to make light of it. 
I'm just telling you that when you find the courage to do it, it's worth it when the task is completed. Your experience is not wasted. The things that make you better than other people in terms of an experience is just how long you've been doing the thing compared to somebody else, right? When you get up and you go to go down the steps, you get up and you walk down those steps. There's no challenge for you. If my three-year-old gets to get up and walk down the steps, she's holding on to the rail. She's a little shaky. You know what I mean? She might miss a step and fall down. It's not that she can't do the thing or that you're better than her. It's just you've had more experience doing it. So don't ever despise your experience in a situation. It makes you a better teacher. The last one is that God is all we really need. Like if you understand that your strength is not your own and that God is the one that is sustaining and keeping you, not yourself, you're really not that smart. Like you're really not that cute. You're really not that favored. It's literally God that is holding everything together that's allowing you to do the littlest things. I say that to myself all the time. You're not that cute, right? You're not that smart. It's God who is giving you the power to do it, all right? And if you don't want to be used, the rocks will cry out. So let's make great use of this time and understand that we have somebody who cares about us. I love how the father just runs, runs to the son, lets him know that I receive you. No, you know, no questions asked. I don't care where the money is. I don't care what you've been doing. I want to restore you to your proper place. You're the head. Like the son was ready to be the tail of the thing. And the father had to give him the mind that you're the head. You have the ring. You have the robe. You are your own ministry. Okay. And some of you need to hear that because you feel like you, you're not quite there yet. You're there already. You just have to own it. Right. I love this. It says this, forget the things that happened in the past. Do not think, do not keep on thinking about them. I'm about to do something new and the beginning is happening even now. Ah, love that. The thing is happening even now. Isaiah 43, 18, 19. Come on, word of God. I love that so much. It's happening even now, this thing. I love it. Y'all, that was a word. That whole thing. I'm going to tell you, if you're not listening to the word of God, if you're not reading God's word, you are missing out because there's another experience in this experience that God is trying to get us to see. He's trying to get us there. So um, there are some things happening. Let me tell you what I'm got, I got going on, what's happening with me. The seven days of NCLEX is coming. I'm so excited for next week. You guys, the workbook is out December 26th to January 1st. I want you there. I want you at the seven days of NCLEX because it's just a great time. And it really helps you to develop that critical thinking because we pull everything together on the seven days of NCLEX. You get a, a report. So if you're an auditory learner, you get a report. We have patients who are telling you, this is my issue. This is why I'm here. You have your workbook and you're filling out and you're looking at medications. So Wherever you are in your learning cycle of nursing, this event is for you. I don't do any other event like I do seven days of NCLEX. It is a massive push for you to get where you need to be. So it's like leveling up, right? It's like if you're a toddler in this thing, do seven days of NCLEX, you're going to be a young adult, all right? I just want you to level up. But it is a challenge because you have to get here. Right. You have to make it. You have to set this aside, aside the time in order to be present. OK, so you have to be present to get this present. Ah, rapping. If I wasn't a nurse, maybe a little rapper, maybe just be like a little one, like on the weekends. Um, seven days of NCLEX, though. Make sure you sign up for it. Remarnurse.com forward slash seven days, seven days, get the workbook out guys. Thank you so much for being a part of this community. 
when you sign up for seven days of NCLEX, I'll email you the workbook. So it was in my email box this morning, my inbox. I was able to print it out on my printer, got all pages. Now I have to get busy. Okay. So next week, is it next week even? Yes. So Christmas is on Monday next week. Christmas is on Monday. Seven days of NCLEX starts Tuesday. Okay. Tuesday. And we're just going to be rolling, 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 rolling. And I want you, I definitely want you to be there for all of them. Guys, uh, first shift, second shift, third shift, fourth shift. Here's the schedule. Let me tell you the schedule. So the first shift, these are all shifts that you're going to be working. We'll have our patient simulation. Then we'll go into the V2. I'm going to actually, again, what I love to do is I love to give you guys inside views into the V2. So we will also be doing videos in the V2 going over it, helping you stay on track. So we'll be doing diagnostic procedures for the first shift. Then we have, um, let me go back to the se second shift. Second shift, we're going to do, look at the time, 8 p.m., 8 p.m., set your alarm, okay? Uh, chest tubes, patient simulation, this is all in the workbook. This is all in the workbook. Third shift, I'm doing a payday. We will be doing a game night on that third shift. So be there or be square. Okay. Be paying out some people. We're not going to have class on Christmas day. Fourth shift is going to be at noon. It's a Friday. Okay. That's going to be another patient simulation. That's what I'm saying. You got to set your calendar for this bad boy. Fifth shift is going to be Saturday night at eight o'clock. Normal and high risk newborn. This is where we're going to take care of our baby. So we are going to have every patient is going to be from a different age group. So we will be having a full spectrum of what it will be like. Miss Henrietta is coming back to give you reports. So if you don't know Miss Henrietta, you will be meeting her. She's giving you report every single patient. So y'all get ready for that. That's a whole experience in itself. New Year's Eve. Sunday, December 31st, I'm going to see you at noon for our sixth patient. And then seventh shift, New Year's Day is actually, it's a game day. I, it's, a, it's a game day, New Year's Day. So we will be doing, where is my workbook at? We will be doing the patient simulation. It's going to be a game day, New Year's Day. But let me see. Also, I have to tell you guys, the V2 is on sale. So we are doing the holiday sale of the V2 as well. So please check out, um, you got you got your fifth on the fifth study session. Amazing. Please check out the sale for V2. I think that you will be amazed if you don't have V2 and you were thinking about getting it, you might want to get it. This is the sale for it. All right. So I am just really excited. You signed up already. You should have your book. I'm looking at the patients, every simulation. Remember, you'll be taking a report. Thank you, Professor. I Listen, I'm trying to be here for you guys as much as possible. So get your workbooks out, go over it. There's not much that you can do before class starts because you do need to get the report, okay? You do need to get report. Also, every night I will be doing the payday, which will be giving away $200 cash app. So I know you guys like that as well. So this is going to be an amazing, amazing event. I'm looking at all my pages. There's a lot to do, but we have seven days to do it. So that's the beauty of it. Make sure you get this workbook, print it out, get a little clip. I got my clips from Walmart and just stick it on here so that we are ready to go. So I will see you guys later. Classes on Wednesday. I will be back 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I love to hear from you guys. So if you have any questions or comments, please email me support at remarreview.com. Support at remarreview.com. That's the email. Okay. All right. Holiday season, seven days of NCLEX challenge. Get that workbook ready to go. We are going full throttle. We are going full throttle before. Okay. We're going full throttle before. Let me answer these questions. Um, I will count it as a birthday gift. Yes, yes, yes. I see some questions here. Let me stay on for a second. I know I can push the start date for the new program, but can I start it early if I decide it? For example, um, yes. So if you wanted to start in January, but you're like, nah, I'm ready to get into it. You can do that. Okay. I got the workbook all ready to go. Amazing. Amazing. 
Uh, what else do you, is the V2 on sale? It's already on sale. We started that um, seven days of NCLEX sale. Actually, we started it today. So if you order it today, you can have your books by today. And also don't forget, if you order today, you get this for 10 cents. You get this for 10 cents. So my first shift book is the holiday gift. I'll be giving 10 cents for this. And also, if you don't have this book, we brought back the Black Friday for this book. So this is just 20 for this book printed out. Okay. So lots of things to do for you before seven days of NCLEX get started. But the priority, get this workbook printed out, y'all. Get it printed out and let's get ready to go. It's coming up. My favorite holiday NCLEX review. And it's free. No excuses. Get there Go to remarnurse.com forward slash seven days if you come in because I'm waiting on you. All right. See you later, guys. Bye-bye.